Okay, episode 357 of Global from Asia, globalfromasia.com slash ocean dash freight dash madness. And we have a logistics expert here sharing with us today what's been going on. And let's do this. I mean, it's a, it's a very hot topic, so enjoy. Welcome to the Global From Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now, your host, Michael Michelini. Episode 357 here shows, plus, you know, the Gladiator, so, you know, almost like really 400 something shows. And this is a topic, you know, we, we talked about it at the cross-border matchmaker a bit. We, you know, Nick's been on the show in the past. You can check it out in our show notes. We'll link it up to the previous episode. He did his research in advance. Plus, he works with people all the time with this. I share some of my own hardships and issues about the ocean freight. You know, it's it's like, you know, there's been so much, so much craziness with cross-border trade, you know, with trade wars, you know, the Hong Kong unrest, the, you know, now we're doing this COVID for, for years. And one of the horrible things is the ocean freight night, nightmare. And people spending the same as like a, a nice car for sending a container. So realize you're not alone. Everybody's dealing with this. I know some of you, you know, I've even had a friend I heard had a, had a mental breakdown lately. I'm really, you know, it's been really stressful for all of us. So don't don't think you're alone. We're all getting getting dealt with a lot of these difficult challenges. And let's try to get through this, you know. So let's dive into the show. Nick Bartlett talking about this ocean freight madness. Thank you to our sponsor, Mercury.com. They help a lot of people, especially nowadays, can't get to the U.S. to apply in person for a bank account. We've used this multiple times for various joint ventures and businesses here in the Global From Asia community. So I feel very confident to say they're a great one to check out. No application fee, so what do you have to lose? And plus a little bonus if you use our GFA link, globalfromasia.com slash mercury. Thank you for supporting the show and tell them GFA sent you. Thank you, everybody, for choosing to listen to or, or watch a Global From Asia podcast. We had Nick on the show. I don't know. Years are turning. You know, time is flying. It must have been at least a few years ago now. But Yeah, I think, I think probably, Mike, it was probably 20, I'm going to say like 2016, maybe. 2016, wow. 2017, maybe. Amazing. Um, amazing. We, we've been trading for around a year or so, I think. So that tells me kind of in the end of 16, maybe early 17. Wow. Yeah, time's flying. I mean, yeah, we've been doing these podcasts for a long time. And, yeah. uh, and it's you don't great. look any younger, and I look about five years older. <laughs> <laughs> I just got my, my haircut. These Chinese barbers, you know, sometimes I take a picture. I actually have a photo. I make a blog, mikesblog.com slash haircut. <laughs> and I, I, load, I show him, but he went a little, I said, he didn't, you know, I did, don't, he went too short on the, I think maybe he meant yeah. short, but. It's That's probably good. when it would help if you just had a bit more Chinese, right? I thought I was kind of checked out of China. I mean, I thought. Fair enough. <laughs> it's the mafia. I think everyone, the I think everyone thought you were, you were free. You were free. The, and then the uh, and you're back. They're just <laughs> pulling me back, man. Just, just slowing you right I back. thought yeah. I got out of here, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought I, got, thought I served my time, man. But anyway. So it's always a pleasure. Your time, your time will come again. It'll come again. Don't worry. It'll come we'll again. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, we're having a good, I almost felt like we should have been recording the last five or so minutes, but we'll have a great conversation today. So Nick Bartlett, your logistics 
guy I go to person. We go to a lot, and you you had a great little. The first episode you were on was really insightful. Got great feedback on that, and this one a little bit more timely with COVID. But you know, like we're just getting into almost Q3. You know, there's obviously still Christmas. Hopefully, we're gonna have a good Q4 for e-commerce and you know retail. Mm-hmm. So obviously, everybody's starting to get these containers out, and I don't know. I mean, you know, it's like the rates are insane. So I'm sure uh, listeners are curious of any kind of insights. I even have some of my own issues. I can personally ask you, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, do you want to give a quick uh, background about yourself before we dive into the. Yeah, yeah, sure. Sure. So my name's Nick Bartlett. I'm the director of CBIP logistics. We're a Hong Kong based logistics, 4PL operator throughout Asia and sort of focusing on customers, you know, that are tr- traditionally kind of based in the West with production in the East and then sort of selling back, back to the West. Our focus or our operations kind of go right across B2B and B2C operations for, for logistics. So we work with a range of kind of traditional B2B customers, you know, guys that work on ocean freight, traditional 3PL and sort of selling into big sort of um, big box retailers, right through to sort of supporting more general sort of brands and on the sort of e-commerce logistics side. So we've been trading out of Hong Kong since 2015 and sort of grown our team and we're now sort of operating right across uh, Asia Pacific from an operational perspective and we're moving goods all around the world, uh, which is which is pretty good fun. But COVID's yeah. definitely presented lots oh, of yeah. challenges for us as a business and certainly given us um, lots of lots of pretty fast learnings in a pretty unprecedented time. So hopefully there'll be a few things I can share that yeah. will give some insight and also just maybe might make everyone feel a little bit better too. So, you um, know, certainly certainly not alone. This exactly. is certainly a, a pretty scary a pretty scary time in the context of the damage the damage it's having uh, on business. And actually, if you look right right down to the level, it's having right on the consumer. I and mean, we're all going to feel that in, in the times to come. Agreed, totally. Yeah, just to reiterate what you said, I mean, I've tried to say this in some other episodes, you know, especially during COVID is, yeah, we're not alone. I mean, everybody's getting shocked, sticker shocked with rate increases, you know, I mean. Yeah. It was, you know, I, every, I mean. Every, everyone. Even, even the biggest, even the biggest of the, you know, players in the market you know, are coming to, you know, coming to anyone and everyone um, to try and put a, put a solution to this problem. So, you know, we're seeing it right throughout the, the sort of supply chain and right throughout the customer size as well. It's unbelievable. So, you know, where to start? Basically, maybe it is. When, yeah. when, when did this start? I mean, I remember when it was the, the height of it, in my, you know, the scary height for me, at least, was mid-March, like Friday the 13th. March 2020 and that's Mm -hmm. when I felt like the world really started to shut down and that was when Amazon closed around I think it was that exact day their warehouse started closed Mm -hmm. down receiving non-essential that scared a ton of us we had you know at that time Amazon business I was with was had containers getting you know loaded up in China at that time Mm -hmm. we were like where are we going to send this container now? <laughs> like, I yeah, mean, yeah. I think if you, if you look kind of back to the sort of timeline of events, you'd, yeah. you'd probably say that, you know, everyone thought initially this was just a China problem, right? Everyone kind of thought, you know, hey, this is just a thing that's lingering around in South China and you know, I'm sure it'll disappear and someone will get on top of it. And the world kind of proceeded to, to be normal. And then if you kind of fast forward, obviously it, it did escalate very quickly to that kind of around that March March time where, where it started to escalate into, into foreign markets. If you look at what happened to logistics, you know, it was a bit of a delayed effect because you obviously had, you know, normal production going on, production cycle shipping kind of all happening. 
then it sort of got to kind of February, March, um, April, May onwards, and then you started to slowly start seeing the impact, right? And I think if you if you tear it all back and you think, okay, how what, what's actually happened? You know, safe to say a, a lot has happened, and the and the sort of fallout or the flow out effect of this whole COVID pandemic has certainly had a had a big big shake up on the shipping industry. And if you look at it in the context of ocean freight, you know, you've got sort of the perfect storm of everything you didn't want to happen happening. So you've got the pandemic itself, which is in turn has a flowdown effect to things like labour shortages at the port or warehouses not operating. Then you have more cases of COVID, which then spirals it out of control. Then you have a whole bunch of slump in production because everyone freaks out and says, oh, down new tools, we don't want to do anything more because we're all worried about what's going to happen. Then you've got all the suppliers on the ocean freight side, so the traditional carriers, the MERSCs and the Evergreens and the EMCs, who are then saying, okay, well, hold on a minute. Production is dropping. Let's pull back. Let's make some smart economical choices here around how we run our fleet. Let's, let's cancel a whole bunch of sailings. Let's make sure that we're not freaking out and not, you know, rising our own costs whilst production drops. And then you sort of fast forward another kind of six, seven months, and the opposite starts happening. So you start seeing a huge surge in production production resources. Everyone slowly starts to go back to factories and working. And then you see the ocean line is just very much remaining the same, sort of applying that same sort of pressure around, you know, how they operate their business, which is we still don't know what the outlook's going to be. Let's be conservative. Let's only run a certain amount of boats. Let's um, let's not bring back, you know, full loads of full loads of boats coming back out of the US back into China. And then this sort of snowball effect of, of all of these things from labour shortages to port congestions to the planning by the carriers that they're doing themselves around how much space and availability they're giving. Then you put the Suez Canal on top of it. That then happened yeah. um, where a boat goes, you know, goes sideways in the I canal will, and decides yeah. to sit there for, for a few weeks and then pays a billion dollars to get it out. You know, at the end, and, you know, it's, it is, it is, it's farcical and it's almost unbelievable. You probably wouldn't read about this sort of thing in terms of just how it's, how it's played out. And then what's happened, obviously, as that timeline has progressed and all of these things have happened, it's just got worse and worse and worse and worse. And the, the perfect storm of all these elements is actually, you know, created now an all-time high shipping cost, exponentially higher than it ever has been historically, and carriers that in a very, very strong pocket of profitability that are taking complete control of um, of the situation, you know, reports of, you know, going from kind of 50 million in Q1 2020 to doing sort of 2 billion in, in 2021 Q1. So, you know, you are looking at seriously, um, you know, I guess you, you would say, you know, highly fortuitous people um, who, have, who have, who have taken, you know, take, taken advantage of the situation and, and made it work for them. But, you know, these, these perfect storms certainly had a much bigger impact on, 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 on the actual sort of customers themselves and the impact it has on their businesses. But yeah, that's sort of like in a nutshell, kind of you look right back to when it's from when it started right through to, through to now. It's kind of this ultimate perfect storm of just yeah. shit that's happened. And everybody's everybody's been knocked off the table, so to speak. You know, everyone's been knocked down and everybody's trying to figure a way to get back up and, and, and find, find their place in this new world. Yeah. And it's really hard, you know, for us as a provider to, you know, try and, you know, coordinate and facilitate all of these changes that are going on. Obviously, you know, we do our very best at making sure that we give customers as much flex and as much as many options as possible. But, you know, at the same time, like, you know, we also only have a, a certain degree of control uh, as well, right? So, you know, everybody in our, in our sort of that plays the role that we play in the industry, certainly, certainly are doing that. But right now, if you, 
if you've got a good logistics partner, then hold on to them. But certainly, if you, if you don't have one, this is certainly the, the time that the, the true colors of your providers will be showing, for sure. Yeah, I mean, like some examples, I, I don't know. I've talked about it a little bit on the show. I haven't, I've been embarrassed to bring it up lately, but I was in the process of launching a new brand on Amazon and uh, a partner with the factory in Thailand. I don't know if we actually made the brands, you know, we have the, you know, trademark and the packaging and made production. And he's, you know, basically it's, it's like a container sitting in Thailand right now in factory. I think normally a container to East coast us, I don't know. You probably know. I don't know. He, he, he's a factory. Owner. Yeah, at, the, at the moment, you know, yeah, at the moment eastbound is sort of westbound from the East. You're sort of looking at, you know, a very, very conservative, low, low price around fifteen to twenty thousand US dollars. Exactly. Time. Yeah, I think it's twenty. Yeah, and you know, like and if you look, look you know, before, yeah, before COVID, that price was around fifteen hundred to two grand. Exactly. So even if you just look at it sol- solely for the numbers for which they are being presented, fifteen hundred to fifteen grand is pretty much the, the jump. And you know, for any small business carrying a cargo with, let's say, carrying one container or carrying a hundred containers with an average box value of say 15,000 US or even 20 or 30 or exactly. even 50, it doesn't matter, right? Because you, you, you know, your cost base is just exponentially creeped up. And, and as a result, who's, who's, who's going to pay for that difference? I mean, are you going to keep shipping stuff at a, at a break even or a loss or, or are you just not going to ship it? Yeah. So this, this whole thing's going to die. It's got to tail out at some point. There's got to be a, a bit of a reverse, a reverse moment's got to come in where, where, you know, where shippers just say, you know what? I'm actually better not shipping it than I am shipping it. And then eventually that might draw the demand down and that might get the shipping lines to realize, okay, actually maybe our customers are smarter than we give them credit for. Yeah. Let's, let's readjust our pricing and, and get more in line with, with, with where the market might sit. But right now, mate, they are riding, riding a very, very big pocket of uh, profitability and it's, um, it's scary. So then it's basically to those major carriers. Is that the people? To blame yeah, yeah. So, so there, there are a few things three. that are few things that are driving. There are a few things that are driving the cost up, right? There's obviously what is sort of called kind of what they sort of call sort of space management or sort of you know I guess availability of sailings is kind of one. So naturally, in a normal environment, the carriers would operate you know their fleet at 100 completely optimized, but because of the uncertainty that COVID created, they they pulled some of that that availability back because they thought it would be smarter to run full boats rather than half boats in and around the world, right? So, you know, it makes economical sense as to why they did that. But then as demands come back, they haven't necessarily adjusted their their own space management, if you like. Okay. And they've kind of continued to go, hey, you know what, actually, we were getting 1,500 boxes before. Now we're getting eight or 10 or 15. This is a much better business for us. Let's <laughs> stay in this business. Let's, let's, not, let's not go back to the old business. So, look, I get it, right? I get it. And, you know, you have to remember that for a very, very long period of time, these carriers, the big boys, you know, they have run very lean, lean margin businesses. So I, I get it, right? They, 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 this is their opportunity to cash in. But it's the scary thing is it's completely unregulated, right? So you don't have anyone regulating what the shipping lines can do. And you've only got really, you know, half a dozen carriers in the world. So, you know, it's almost, you know, it's almost monopolistic in the sense that they operate in alliances. It's a bit like the airlines, how they kind of code share with each other, you know, and they sort of all agree kind of behind mm. closed doors, kind of what, what, what sort of how, how it might play out. So that's kind of, that is one thing that's seriously driving the price up. And that's obviously created this, <clears throat> you know, huge spike in demand 
but then obviously a limited amount of, of sailing space that you can get. Then the second big issue is that there's a real shortage of, of containers coming back into, yeah, into Asia. Back. Yeah. And so, you know, you can get a booking and it's all good. You know, to, to give context to this, before COVID, you could place a booking within about 10 to 14 days and get a sailing within that period out of China to kind of give you context. Now you're looking at a minimum of kind of four to six weeks and then you're still not even guaranteed it until a week before the sailing date anyway. Mm-hmm. And in that case, if the carrier gets a higher price for your booking, they'll just bump you and give it to someone else. So what's what's become, you know, well, what was a really fairly traded transaction has actually now become almost like commoditized. It's almost like they're just buying and selling it at the highest price. And, and you know, it's it's that, that's what I mean about it being a little bit farcical. It's kind of, it's hard to believe that you can actually operate like that. This is this is you know when you look at the the volume that comes out of China and you look at the the, the reliance that China has on global trade and getting stuff into supermarket and getting stuff yeah. into people's homes. It's it's sort of it's scary just to sort of think how much impact that these guys are having. This very small group of people yeah. are actually having on on what's become. Obviously, there are things outside of their control. You know. That, that also does contribute to price, you know, things like port conditions, which the carriers don't, don't, you know, they don't run all the ports in the world. So there are other kind of other factors that are driving it up. But, you know, those, those two kind of main things are, uh, are kind of what, what's sort of driving that price up. And it's, it's certainly, it's certainly scary at just how high it's going. You know, in fact, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of our audience is, is probably the hardest hit because the small the small seller, small business, I don't like to say small, but oh, you know, yeah. the average seller, because I think the bigger ones can absorb it more, right? Then potentially. Yeah, but, but you know what, Mike, even, even, the, even the big guys are, are going to feel this really hard. You know, I mean, I totally agree for the small guys, this is going to potentially wipe a huge amount of them out. So you really hope at that point that local government and, you know, you, the, these specific customers from these these different parts of the world hopefully get support in other ways from from external external methods to, to keep them alive. But certainly, uh, even for the big boys, you know, that, you know, they might move the volume, but sometimes their margins can be slim too, right? So, you know, yeah. if you are, like I said earlier, if you're moving a box and it's worth 50 grand US and your shipping cost is costing you 21 or 25 or 15, you know, your margins have just taken a significant sort of, if you look at it at a per unit basis, of course, they can probably carry the capital a lot further, the bigger boys, but in the end of the day, like everything's still measured on, unit basis margin and profitability right so if you look at some of the world's biggest producers of you know whether it be electronics or toys or you know anything in the fmcg space like they might just start saying you know what actually like let's just wait till the sun cools off and then we'll make our product available again because it's not worth it for us to to take that or alternatively and what we're already seeing is a lot of not a lot but some of the bigger box retailers are starting to starting to push that starting to push that that price through to the customer and at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the biggest victim in this whole thing is is the consumer uh, because we will pay it, right? And th- these prices that they were before COVID, we're not going back to those prices. Those days are, in my view, those days are, are pretty done because now that there's, you know, the, the, the ocean liners have, have clearly ascertained that there's enough demand to, to operate at, at a higher price point and people are willing to pay for it. That's a crazy thing. You would think yeah. maybe with demand and prices surging that demand for, for containers might actually drop off. But okay. actually, everyone's kept paying it. So what's scary is that because everyone keeps paying it, the price keeps surging. So there's, there's got to be a tail out, as I said. But having said that, I think we are fundamentally going to see the victim here. 
feed the consumer at the at the, at the retail floor. And that's just what's going to happen, right? I think some retailers have already pushed back sort of what they're calling COVID surcharges onto the checkout to try and get some cost re- cost recovery on this stuff. And, you know, that, that's, you know, we're going to see that. We'll see that in line with inflation as well. And I think it's, it's certainly, it's all going to come hit our pocket pretty quickly. I agree. And then, I mean, but back to the big boys, I mean, this is a really big boy, but I don't want to say the wrong company, but I think it's Home Depot. I might be wrong. Mm. They made their own chart. I don't want to say the, your, the term might be wrong, but their own ships or their own boats or their own charter something. I char- heard. Chartered their own, fl- uh, chartered their own um, boats, yeah. So I don't know if, obviously they're, they're, they're like the big, big boy, big, big boys, but I mean. Yeah, yeah. So look, I, th- I think the scary, the scary thing to the ocean freight market is there are very limited alternatives, right? So if you look at, you know, hey, what are my alternatives if I don't put it on a boat? <laughs> you know, th- there are, there are none. Unless, un- unless you're a big boy and you can go afford to charter a plane. You know, for example, which is what a lot of lot of guys did, uh, particularly last year in the PPE market. Yeah. Alternatively, you go and charter a vessel. Now, some of the guys have chartered vessels and they're running, you know, hundreds and hundreds of, of containers on these boats themselves. But jeepers, mate, that, that's even if you're a billion dollar empire, multi billion dollar empire, that is um, that's still a very big risk to be taking to, to charter your own your own vessel, right? I mean, geez, just just the just the insurance liability on it alone, let alone, you know, if there's, you know, there's an event or something bad happens or anything like that. So I don't think a lot of these bigger boys would actually have a lot of appetite to, to go and charter a vessel, but certainly those that have got the, the leverage and the volume and can fill the boat, then maybe that, that does make a lot more commercial sense. Um, but certainly I, I imagine at an executive roundtable that wouldn't be wouldn't be an option that many people would be keen to do, but they might have been forced into it. So I definitely know that the, the charter market has definitely seen a huge um, spike in the charter market for sure, an ocean freight, but only very few can can really entertain that as an option. There's been a few there's been a few charters come out of out of South China where, you know, one central party has taken the charter has, and then has sort of down sort of downwardly sold space on awesome. the boat, and, and that's we are seeing a bit of that. But again, that's such limited supply, right? I mean, in the grand scheme of things, right, one boat two and a half thousand containers, like it, it's just. It's it's you know it's, it's dropping the water stuff right. So it, it it's never going to have like a macro market impact unless the entire market got together and said, hey, let's just tell tell all the big boys we're not we're not going to put containers on them anymore and collectively go out and charter boats together. <laughs> but, you know, certainly, um, certainly that you know so, something's going to have to change. Right? I mean, there's got to be certainly going to have to be a lot more supply put on put on the water. That that's become clear, right? So who's responsible for that supply? Maybe that supply will come through the Charter Avenue, or maybe it will come more through the big boys actually starting to release more of their fleet and and you know bringing more fleet new fleet on, online as well. Yeah, so you know you must. Ha- I mean, I've heard it a little bit from our you know our community and and a little bit myself, you know, and then the f- my my factory partner like he has clients. Like you said, I think people are just paying because either you if you. You know, whether it's Amazon or any retail, if you don't have product to sell, you don't have a, a business. If you're out of stock, you're, nah, what are you going to do? It's mean, a real double-edged, it's a real double-edged sword, right? And I think a lot of businesses would probably take the position that is like any period of business, there are, there are you know, highs and lows, right? And, and this is probably just a, a period and a snapshot in time. I think what's scary is people don't quite realize the snapshot's going to go on for some time. And that snapshot, how long can you, you know, how, how long can you last is, is really the question. So for your small guys, you know, certainly I'd say a pretty limited runway. 
for your bigger guys, you know, they might start to make bigger strategic decisions around how they, around their supply chain. They might change their production point, for example. You know, they, they might decide to produce in a different market rather than yeah, producing in China. True. They might they might start front-loading, producing way more than they need to and then just bringing it into the market to evade, sort of almost a hedge against further price increases. So there, there are sort of a number of different, I guess, strategies that the bigger boys will start applying. But certainly, man, this is yeah, this is this is a long road ahead, and it's scary to think how, how many will, will actually will actually survive. But if you're just a small Amazon seller, man, the, the the question is, do you keep yourself relevant? Do you keep yourself online and just accept you're losing on every sale, or alternatively, do you do you accept lower margins, or do you just say, you know what, we're going to ride it out for as long as as long as we can? I mean, I think the logic, the thought process is like you said, like survive this, and then if you. It makes you think of the Forrest Gump shrimp boats, you know, and some some reason he was out there in a hurricane and they survived and all the other shrimp boats sunk and then he became rich, you know. So, of course, in, in, obviously in business, hey, look, I you, think, yeah. you yeah, can survive, a, right? I mean, sometimes just staying in the game, you know, not even winning, but just right. sort of staying in the game, right? Because, yeah. you know, we've talked about this 100%. in the show and at events, you know, relaunching a product is not, it's not so hard easy you know of course you know if you're if you're out of stock and then you you try to relaunch it i mean it can happen but it's it mm. the, the, the the trick the goal i mean the you know, any product business is stay in stock right at least as much as possible to keep the yeah and and, and i think going. that's probably at the moment that's certainly the strategy at the moment if you look at at least from our side and what we can see in terms of our customer base and what they're doing that they are just choosing that, right? Choosing to stay on shelf, choosing to be, you know, to, to not lose momentum. Also, you know, I guess you also have to look at it on the other side of this as well, right? Like once there's huge supply chain disruptions and, and rising prices, the great thing is there's demand. And, you know, so, so you know, you kind of can't, can't forget, you know, just on one side of the, the equation, you have some trouble. You've actually got on the other side of the equation, you've actually got some some real benefit as well right so you know i think like just taking a balanced view is obviously what a lot of businesses are are trying to do but you know hey look the world's in a pretty good pretty good shape given the context around around demand so for, for, for sort of products and consumer products so i think we we should kind of count our blessings in in some senses that you know we everyone could be sitting at home you know not not doing anything not not spending any money but in actual fact we've got you know e-com is pretty much fast forwarded three years yeah, three to five years true. you know and shipping costs have increased sure but hey consumers still want it still get it to them stay relevant and i reckon you're right mike you come out at the end of this you could be the you could be the last man standing on the shrimp boat you know yeah I mean. <laughs> you know with with say you know because plenty of businesses are going to fall by the wayside right so you know you gotta i think you know a lot of businesses are probably staying pretty close to that and, and figuring yeah. out hey where's the what's this going to look like if in our category like where are we going to come out on this we might come out it might be third at the moment we might come out first in, in 18 months or in two years. So yeah, hang in there, hang tight. Yeah. I mean, the other side, I don't want to sound uh, you know negative, but I mean, I have talked about it. I mean, I'm, I'm starting to help, ag- you know, just more and more aggregators, you know, these roll-up funds. And yeah. Yeah. it makes you think like bigger is better scale, right? I mean, even before COVID, if you ship more, especially LCL to FCL, right? Like taking a, if you fill a whole container, it's usually better economics than, than sharing. So you know, I, I've been noticing more sellers willing or interested to maybe, 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 maybe take a number now, right? You know, get out while they can or while it's while it's good or 
I mean, there's, it's overheating, you know, everybody, there's, there's huge competition to buy out these sellers and get these brands. So that's another, another side of the story too. You know, there's these. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. I mean, um, you know, timing is everything, right? So if, you know, if you built a great business and, and, you know, there's demand for it now through an aggregator, whether it be, you, you, you mean kind of someone like a, like an FBA, like aggregator, right? Someone going yeah, out purchasing yeah, I mean, up. Yeah, yeah purchasing up a whole bunch too. of, yeah. 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 So, you know, like there's a, that's a big shift in the, in the market, right? So, you know, there's, there's some big, big private equity backed companies that are coming in, right? And, and exactly. doing some, doing some pretty, pretty big things and actually giving, ironically, probably giving Amazon a bit of a run for their money in, in some senses. It's true. It's true. And then of course they're, they're dealing with like anti-trust or, you know, a lot of the U.S. is pushing, Europe, I think too, is pushing Amazon to be a little bit too predatory, you know, with their tactics, mm, you know? Mm. So that's another side of, side of that. But yeah, I think we're getting towards the end of this discussion. I mean, there is, I mean, you're, is there light at the end of the tunnel? You're saying, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I was, I was told or heard maybe after the Christmas rush, maybe after Q3, you know, early Q4. Yeah. That's what I've been hearing from a few people. Yeah, I think, I think from our perspective, uh, and look, certainly like we're, we're lucky we get to talk to lots and lots of people in the industry and we get to talk to, you know, a wide range of, of our partners and, and freight porters and carriers directly. And, and that's, that's always kind of get good insight from them. I, I think, at least from how we see it, you know, I think 2021 is going to be much, much, much the same. I think we're going to get through, you know, we, we might start seeing a little bit of pressure alleviating on the container shortage at the back end of Q3. So, so I think we might might see a little bit of a better situation there. But in terms of where those price points sit, I think we're probably going to see most of that going into into the rest of the year. Obviously, we're also coming into peak season, so I'd expect yeah, exactly. more surcharges to be to be to be lumped. Certainly, don't expect all your Christmas presents ready uh, on Christmas Day. Some might be a little bit late. <laughs> That'd be the other little caveat I'd give to lots of lots of mums and dads out there: is uh, you know, plan early, get your gifts there sorted early. You know, yeah. you know, um, you know, Walmart might run out of uh, your favorite, you know, your favorite toy or something like that. So you might need to just kind of be thinking a little bit further ahead just given the, the major shortages and, and delay of getting product to, into these markets. And then look, in terms of next year, I, I do think probably we do, we'll see a bit of a reduction next year in 2022. And then hopefully, you know, sort of see, see what happens after that. But but mm. I certainly feel like we're, we're, I feel like we're sort of at or near, near the peak at the moment. That, that's at least, at least my, my feeling. And then, you know, I think hopefully it'll ease off a little bit coming into Q1 2022 when, when demand's a little bit lower. And also, you know, by that time, you, you'd sort of hope that the carriers have had their fun and that maybe they'll start to start to realise that they need to, you know, maybe, you know, try and try and help resolve this uh, this problem for shippers yeah, a little I bit mean, uh, by, by trying to help drag, drag the price down a bit. Like you um, said, it's... But just, yeah, really interesting times ahead. It's just going to pass to the consumer, right? I mean, if if you uh, got to pay 10x on your shipping fees, you know, obviously, like you said... If and you've got value, no control over it. Yeah, yeah, you have no... I mean, look, it's... Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not it's no different to raw material cost increases or you know shortage of raw materials. You know, you know it, all of these things start to start start to play up a little bit as, as well. So you, you know, I think certainly the consumer is going to feel this. You know, but I you know I, I, I certainly don't think there's there's light at the end of the tunnel immediately. But you know, we might be back to somewhat normality maybe at the end of next year and into into twenty three. Is oh. kind of my is sort of my view. Uh, but certainly we'll never be back at 
pre-COVID prices, unfortunately, I don't think. So get used to, you know, maybe paying up around that sort of four to three, four, five grand a container rather than the fifteen hundred two grand that you were that were you, you were historically used to. <laughs> insane, insane. I mean, yeah, I mean I can remember even less obviously I guess there's always gonna be inflation or you know price increases, but geez. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Thanks. But so you, you're gonna probably feel feel it a lot more just given these really obvious increases and, and such significant increases as well. So so Nick, I'm I know you shared a little bit at the beginning, but maybe we can hear more about your business and how how you could help. Hopefully there's ways, you, you know, I'm, you know, lots, you know, you've been doing this since pre-COVID, right? You're going to, you're going to be saying, I did this yeah, yeah, before yeah. COVID. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was saying to, time, um, so how can you help yeah, people out? I was saying to some of the guys in the, in the team the other day that, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of working through a really, you know, unprecedented time in terms of what, what's going on, right? And I think we'll certainly, look back on this time and I think we'll think, hey, we actually, you know, we navigated all of these situations. We lived through force majeure and, you know, type events, which, you know, are always in conflicts but never really happen, you know, and, and as a result, we've seen a real seismic shift in the way that the market operates and, and even people's understanding of it too, right? Like even even shippers' understanding of it historically didn't really need to know too much about it, right? It was easy. It was a fairly easy way to trade. Now it's more complicated there's more more pieces so i think from, from our perspective certainly we have you know we're not it's obviously not an easy time as a provider certainly under a lot of pressure to, to make sure we find the right solutions for customers but also that we continue to to try and be adaptable and work around the challenges too right i think what we've seen where we've had success is we're you know we're an operator that so we, we operate as a 4pl provider so we sit kind of above all of the providers in the market almost like your control tower type type provider and as a result of that we have access to a wide range of of partners and carriers that we can work with and we get a very nice sort of cross-section spread of what's going on but also we're a lot more um, solution driven in terms of being able to piece something together in a pretty difficult climate so I think that's kind of been a real a real differentiator for us in the last um, year or so in particular particularly right. as this thing is kind of throwing more curveballs at businesses but yeah like, like I said earlier you know we, we're a logistics company based out of Hong Kong servicing sort of you know customers based all around the world but predominantly with production in the east so we have sort of, I guess, like homebound operations in Vietnam and Taiwan, Hong Kong, Singapore and Australia. And then we obviously have South China that when we then sort of trade back, back, back to the West. So for us, you know, customers across the spectrum from selling into retail right through to selling um, directly online, we sort of uh, work directly with those customers to sort of build out the most suitable logistics solution. And then once it's sort of designed and built, we then kind of support and run the operational delivery of it. And then in addition to that, we have some, some software that supports our business across our sort of B2B and our B2C services. So customers can kind of get a full view of what's sort of what's going on across their, across their logistics. So look, any, any, any small business or, or enterprise um, company is kind of who we work with. We don't, we don't um, you know, we don't sort of specialize just in small business or, or just in big business. We certainly have a nice wide sort of cross-section on, on our books at the moment. And, you know, we're really nimble, we're small and uh, relatively small and, and we're adaptable, you know, and I think that's that's certainly uh, a key feature of our service. So if you can reach out for a, for a, for a coffee or a Zoom call or whatever, or a WeChat, whatever fancies, whatever you fancy, we can we can do it. And hopefully you've found uh, today a, a little bit insightful in terms of the realities of the ocean freight market in 2021. Yeah, thanks, Nick, for your candidness. And yeah, like, you know, that's, I think the people you work with, you know, you're always very, you know, it's 
straight up and and helpful and and you know tell us how it is which i think people appreciate so what's yeah. the best place people could find out more or reach out sure so you can visit us at www.cviplogistics.com okay uh, alternatively you can find me on linkedin at nick bartlett that's b-a-r-t-l-e-t-t or you can get me on wechat at nbartlett1 okay perfect that's great awesome. a lot of ways thanks so much nick and uh cool, I hope to see you in real life one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, all, all of us, right? We're all going yeah. crazy here. It's gonna be, it's gonna be, it's gonna be weird when I start seeing my colleagues up in China again. <laughs> but it'll, it'll be nice to get back on, get back on the train and get back on the, on the plane down to, down to Vietnam and Australia and, and yeah. into the UK and the US. I mean, it's been hard for our, you know, all of our community. You know, like we're all travelers. That's. By definition, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. We're well, yeah, yeah. nomads, right? We're the all, nomad lifestyle is uh, is all of become us. a bit a bit redundant because everyone's st- everyone's become a nomad. Everyone just works from home. <laughs> <laughs> all right, effectively, <laughs> right? Yeah, well, cool, man. Know. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for your time, Mike, and it's always a pleasure supporting um, GFA as well. Well done. Thank you, everybody, for listening. It's just me on audio now. I prefer audio to chat a little bit. But like I said during the show, I, I, I've i also been negatively affected, you know, trying to launch a new brand with a Thailand factory. I think I might have mentioned this in some of our community shows, our masterminds. But yeah, I mean, it's like over a value of $20,000, which is a nice car, right? You know, you could buy a car for that, you know. So down payment maybe for houses and things like that you know this is not small money here and that's one container you know like nick says what's the value of the goods in the container if this is i just think the consumer is going to pay right i mean you know we as sellers or business owners might be able to absorb it for a little while but if it keeps going it's got to get passed on to the buyer the end buyer the people in their home you know trying to buy this product off Amazon or off their website or in a store or wherever it's happening to everybody. So I don't know what you'd love to hear what you've been doing and how you've been dealing with it. We have to survive. We have to continue to do business. Product based business means you have to have product. You know, if you run out of product, as you know, back orders, you know, out of stock listings, you know, losing their, you know, ranking and velocity and et cetera. I think we're going to have to figure out a way. And I think probably the way is increased price. Some people I've talked to have increased price considerably. Again, it really depends on the value of your product. How much is the total value of that container? What is your, you know, margin? How much profit is you, are you making on this even before COVID, you know, before these shipping fees, what, and, you know, hopefully you can just, I think you're just gonna have to move your prices more. Right. And, Maybe your competitors will not do that and maybe they'll lose money, go out of business or go out of stock, especially with Christmas coming. I know it's a very stressful time for all of us and let's try to stay positive. You know, that's what we try to do at the community here at GFA and especially our our membership at GFA VIP. We have these masterminds and, and we try our best to, you know, get through these tough times together because that's the best way is, is knowing you're not alone even listening to this show, hearing Nick, hearing me, stay motivated, stay positive. You know, I think a lot of us are dealing with massive pressure, you know, like I've said it throughout the show, I have my, a lot of my belongings in Philippines still that I couldn't even move out of my own apartment that I was staying in. A lot of my belongings are in Thailand. Now I have products for Amazon brand stock in Amazon and warehouse 
of a factory in Thailand for a product we're trying to launch because it's just too expensive to send two or three containers at 20-something thousand US each. It's just crazy. It's just really crazy. So, you know, realize that this is happening to everyone and you can laugh at me if you like, if it makes you feel better. Maybe, maybe that'll be worth it, you know? I mean, I don't mind laugh at me or laugh, you know, try to try to stay lighthearted and I hope to see you in an event one day or I hope to hear your stories after this where you come out bigger and better than ever right I think whatever doesn't kill you only makes you stronger and I just feel like this show's a topic we had to do sooner than later and I appreciate you for listening all the way through in this blah 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 and I I truly wish you the best you know even as a, you know maybe you never bought or events or our memberships or whatever i'm doing this free podcast to to maybe help motivate you help push you along and i hope that's what today's show might have done or maybe it scared the heck out of you i don't know but we have to face our fears and you know we have to be mm, positive minded and law of attraction if you think positive positive things will come let's think positive thank you for listening globalfamasia.com slash Ocean dash freight dash madness. Take care. To get more info about running an international business, please visit our website at www.globalfromasia.com. That's www.globalfromasia.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our iTunes feed. Thanks for tuning in.